Now, in Scripture, we see God's wrath is towards sin and sinners. It is not towards believers. God's wrath was taken care of at the cross. Jesus Christ bore our sins in his body on the cross, and God is satisfied with his sacrifice on our behalf. He is no longer angry with us. Welcome to this Monday edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, today we continue our study in Colossians, and we'll look at a warning from God that's for our good. Yes, Dave, indeed. We're going to continue to look at how to kill off sexual sin. And within this, we're going to see that God warns us that we shouldn't be living in this because that's the way we used to live and God's wrath was upon us before we got saved. So with that in mind, let's turn together to Colossians chapter 3 and we're looking at verses 5 through 7. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, if you want to listen to today's broadcast again, just download our new free app from the Apple App Store. You'll find today's broadcast, archived broadcasts, as well as more about this ministry and our teacher, Pastor Greg Lundstedt. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. Thy word I have hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Now, temptations are powerful, and God is a good God. He understands. He's a faithful high priest, tempted in all things, yet without sin. Go to Jesus. That's your solution. Jesus personally, with his word working in your heart. If you go to him, your word's not in your heart. You're not listening. It's like going to someone and then putting earmuffs on. You go to someone for help and say, I'd like your advice, put your muffs on. They're talking to you here, right? Go to the Lord Jesus, but be in his word. Let him talk to you. Let him tell you from his word by his spirit what he wants for you. Go to Jesus. We need to be ever mindful of the consequences, as we'll see later on. Defrauding one's brother or sister, sinning against God, terrible. God's the avenger of these things. Rejecting his spirit whom he's given to us, in a sense rejecting the power and the life that we could have if we trusted in Christ rather than going our own way. So back in our passage, we have, therefore, you kill off, first of all, immorality. Now, secondly, notice the word, back in our passage, impurity. He's going to give us some different words. Now, impurity spoke of, the word spoke of uncleanness. It spoke of worthless material, waste, of decayed flesh in the grave, It spoke of ceremonial uncleanness, defilement. It's impure, yuck, right? It came to speak of perverted forms of sex, homosexuality, child molestation, kinky sex, trans stuff. It speaks of that, impurity. We see this very clearly in the book of Romans, that impurity has to do with this weird, bad, evil stuff. Turn to Romans chapter 1. So you got immorality, that's actually the act of sexual contact without your spouse, anything other than that, right? And you have impurity, this is the weird, wicked, evil stuff. We'll see even more of that in a minute. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 24. Therefore, God gave them, now in the context of Romans, a man suppressed the truth and unrighteousness, and God gave them over. He gave them over. You suppress the truth of a living God, you don't give him glory or thanks, you don't turn to him for salvation, then he gives you over. And it says here, therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to what? Impurity. And he's going to talk about one specific type of impurity here, and I mentioned it earlier, that their bodies might be dishonored among them, for they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped to serve the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever, amen. 
For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function, which is unnatural. In the same way, their men abandoned the natural function of the women and burned their own desire towards one another. Men with men committing indecent acts, receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. That's impurity. And man, our country says, hey, it's good. You got the impure flag. It should be a flag saying, because of this flag at the White House, we now know that God will no longer flood the earth. No, it's the gay flag. It's the rainbow. The rainbow is God's symbol that he's no longer going to flood the entire earth in judgment, right? But they perverted it. And you see that all throughout, everywhere. It's all throughout. It is proliferating on the Internet. Man is given over this. You see it over and over again. It's becoming a mainstay, this impurity. Men with men, women with women. Kill it off. Kill it off. Don't let it live. Don't let any temptation, don't let anything live. Don't let it live. Immorality, impurity. Now at this point, those are the external realities of sexual sins. You're going to go to the internal realities, I believe. You talk about what's going on on the inside. Remember, the Lord Jesus shared in Matthew 15 that the things that proceed out of the mouth, verse 18, come from the heart. And those are what defile a man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, fault, and the slander. It comes from the heart. It's from the heart. Therefore, your heart needs to be dealt with. Therefore, you've got to renew your mind. Therefore, you've got to be in the Word. Therefore, you've got to set your mind on things above. It's a heart issue. So the next one, kill off immorality, impurity. The next one is passion. Oh, we think passion is great. Well, passion for the Lord's great, but it can be misguided too. You can be overzealous without knowledge. Here, passion is from the Greek word pathos, and here it speaks of an uncontained and uncontrolled sexual passion. It's the lust on the inside that is uncontained. Someone may never act on anything, but it's uncontained on the inside. It's that passion and drive to think about certain things that are dishonoring, that are impure, that are immoral. And it can be awakened by simply glancing at someone dressed immodestly, not saying, you know, it's their fault, it's your fault. But women, be aware. Be modest in what you wear. It can be awakened in women who struggle with lust in different forms, with romance, not with their spouse, soap operas, evening TV, whatever they might be. you got to be careful. And we are not to live this way as believers. We're not to live this way. First Thessalonians 4, 3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, as you abstain from sexual immorality, and that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion as the Gentiles who do not know God. That's just what's going on in those who don't know the Lord. It's a driven sexual passion. It's just driving non-believers. It's driving the Internet right now. And guess what? Whether you admit it or not, whether you entered into it or not, this is the way we used to live, and we are all tempted now, even as believers, to think that way. If you say you're not, then you're lying or you're deceived. We are all tempted at times in different ways. It comes in different forms, but it's all the same. Ephesians 2, 3, among them too, we all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. We live that way. We live that way. But God says, kill it. Don't let it live. Don't give it life in your mind. Don't give it life. Say no to it. Trust the Lord. Don't give it life. Don't give it life. Kill it off. Now, Paul continues with the internal issues. He says, evil desires. The term evil desire spoke of a mental uncleanness. 
spoke of evil lust. It's lust. It's an evil desire. Something that you desire that is evil in terms of what God says is good and evil. Kill it off. Stop it. Don't let it live. Don't let it live. You are united to Christ and all the power of the living God is on your side to say no. Kill it off. Stop by the power of the Holy Spirit. Kill it off. Allow his word to dwell with you. Set your mind on the things above, not the junk on earth. Right? Not that junk. Get your mind out of that stuff. Get it out of your mind. Kill it and separate from it. By the power of the Holy Spirit and Christ, who is your very life, say no. Don't let it live. And lastly in our list, it says covetousness, or greed, actually. NASB greed, New King James, covetousness. Therefore, consider the members of your body as dead, or kill off to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed. Now, what is covetousness or greed, and what does it have to do with sexual sin? Everything. Covetousness is the desire to own or possess more than one's share, more than what God has given you. Thus, to possess what is not mine. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. That's not your wife. It's the desire to possess something that is not yours. It's covetousness. And here we see that covetousness amounts to idolatry. Or you could say literally in this text it says covetousness, which is idolatry. Kill it off. Those thoughts come cruising through your head. Kill them off. Say no to them. Renew your mind in the truth. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the word dwell richly. Don't let the thoughts live. Don't let them live. Kill them. It's that drastic. Do not let them live. I dare say we let too much live in our minds at times. Don't let it live. It's the truth of God that should be running alive in our hearts and minds, right? We all know we fail. We all know we're not perfect. We're not going to be there, but this is what we are to do. And if we fail, we confess quickly. And we trust the Lord when we're tempted. We're all going to be tempted. Temptation is not sin, but when you give into it, when lust is conceived, it gives forth birth to sin, right? Kill it off. Say no by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is a command for all of us. Set your mind to things above, not the things of earth. If I'm setting my mind on this stuff, I'm certainly not setting my mind on the Lord. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. You can't do both, right? Set your mind on the things above. And guess what? You'll have peace versus temporal pleasure and then pain. Temporal pleasure, pain, or peace and joy, right? Now, to strengthen his argument, he's going to explain some of the consequences. That's what we need to hear. We need to be taught. You just can't go out and sin willy-nilly. There are consequences. Verse 6, For it is on account of these things the wrath of God will come. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. For, talking about the reasons why, this is why you should kill it off. Because of these things, the wrath of God will come. Sin brings the wrath of God. Now what's the term wrath? Here it's the Greek word orgate. speaks of anger, wrath, indignation. It's not a heavenly tirade. It's God's right and just reaction to sin and evil. Sin brings God's wrath. It brings his wrath. Now in Scripture we see God's wrath is towards sin and sinners. It is not towards believers. God's wrath was taken care of at the cross. Jesus Christ bore our sins in his body on the cross, and God is satisfied with his sacrifice on our behalf. He is no longer angry with us. We can grieve the Holy Spirit, but his wrath is not upon us. But his wrath is upon sin and sinners. And it's on account of these very things that you're fiddling around with in your head that we're all tempted to, 
that people are going to go to hell. I got to think bigger than the sin. I got to see it. The sin is here. I got to see the whole picture. I got to see it from God's perspective. Rather than somebody giving you a system of how to do it, you'll be fine in your sin if you just go and have an experience with God. No. You're going to be fine in your sin if you follow the shadows and do all this stuff. No. You're going to be fine with God if you hold yourself down. No. It's through Christ. So then what's the wrath of God? His wrath, anger, indignation here, it's towards sin and sinners. And it's in the present and in the future. In Romans chapter 1, we see that God's wrath is upon all who have rejected the truth that he has revealed in nature about himself. His wrath upon it. Romans 1, verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, this is Romans 1, his eternal power, divine nature, have clearly been seen, being understood through what he has made, so that they are without excuse. And then he goes on saying, but they didn't honor him. And his wrath is to let you go your own way in your sin, to give you over to it. Okay, If you're not a believer, you're under God's wrath right now, personally. John 3.36, he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides, present tense, upon him. If you're not saved, God's anger is abiding on you right now because of sin. And it's clear that also, when we are not saved and non-believers are storing up future wrath. Romans chapter 2, verse 5, speaking of those who have a religious thinking they know the Lord, but they're not saved, the Jews, because of the stubbornness and unrepentant of your heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself. You're storing it up. It's building up. For the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So God's wrath's upon us for sin right now, and there's a future wrath to come. Now, that future wrath to come has two different facets, as we'll see. But by God's grace, as before we get to that, we're going to see in Scripture, and we see that Jesus Christ delivers us from the wrath to come. The only way to be delivered from God's anger towards sin, which he's angry enough to put you in hell, righteously, is to be saved by Jesus. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more, now having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. You see, you're saved from God's wrath for sin because Jesus took care of it. The Thessalonians, they were waiting for Jesus, Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. That is Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. The only way to be delivered from God's anger is to have forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And you'll be delivered and God will not be angry at you. He may get grieved when you fail. But he's not angry. He loves you. First Thessalonians 5, 9, For God has not destined us for wrath. We're not destined for that. The wrath to come is not for believers, but obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are delivered from the wrath of God when you believe in Jesus Christ. Believe today, because his wrath is coming for sin. And now for us as believers, we're to kill off these things because these very things that we're entertaining bring God's wrath. Yes, say. Now, it's an account of these things that God's wrath will come. Ephesians chapter 5 talks about to let no one deceive you with empty words because of these things, the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. Talks about immorality and other things. Don't be deceived. Because of sin, God's wrath will come. 
We know from our passage very clearly, for it is on account of these things, verse 6, the wrath of God will come. It's not may come, will come. God's anger towards sin and sinners is coming, and we need to be rescued from it, and Jesus Christ rescues us. Now, there's two aspects of this wrath, and we'll close here with this. Two aspects, one personal, one corporate. You see, for every person, you will stand before the Lord Jesus if you're not saved, and you'll stand before in judgment. Acts 17.30, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to all men everywhere they should repent, because he's fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Inasmuch as his appointed man wants to die, and then the judgment. Don't ever this people, you see something in the They died and they saw heaven for a few minutes. No, they didn't. It's appointed once to die. They died and they saw a demonic vision, okay? You die once. Everything might have stopped, but you didn't die. It wasn't separated. It is once to die and then the judgment. He who believes in him is not judged, John 3.18. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. God's wrath is coming upon us individually for our sins, and whoever has not trusted in Christ will be thrown in the lake of fire. It's also coming upon this world corporately. I don't have time to read all this, but I'm going to read a little bit here. Let's go to Isaiah 13. His wrath's coming. People say, oh, how could a good God let all this evil happen to these children? How could all this evil happen? Well, first of all, he's a good God that he hasn't taken you away because of your sin and brought you to punishment. He's a patient, not willing for any to perish. He's patient. He's waiting for you to repent. But his wrath will come. The bad guys say it never comes. It will come. Isaiah 13, verse 6. Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore, all hands will fall limp. Every man's heart will melt, and they will be terrified. Pains and anguish will take hold of them. They will writhe like a woman in labor. They will look upon one another in astonishment. Their faces aflame. Behold. Don't don't miss that. Their faces aflame. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel, fury, and burning anger. This is his wrath. To make the land a desolation, and he will exterminate its sinners from it. This is God's eviction plan. When he is done with man, and they have not trusted in Christ, and their time is up, he's going to evict them, and we'll have the millennium. He'll exterminate sinners and sinners from it. From the stars and the heaven, their constellations will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shed its light. Thus I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will put an end to the arrogance of the proud and abase the haughtiness of the ruthless. This is the wrath of God will come. Zephaniah 1.14, I'll read part of this. Near is the great day of the Lord, near and coming quickly. Listen, the day of the Lord, as a warrior cries out bitterly, a day of wrath is that day, a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation. He goes on. God will pour out his wrath. Revelation 19, he will tread the winepress of his fierce anger. Christ will come and deal with his enemies. Jude 1.15, to execute judgment, the Lord's going to come. Upon all and convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way, of all the harsh things of which the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Jude 1.15. His wrath is coming. So we need to realize, when I'm tempted to think of this stuff, this is what puts sinners in hell. This is what makes God angry. He's angry enough to put them in hell. i got to think the full thing through. I need that. We do still fail, but I need to think it through, right? 
And notice back in our passage, let's finish up verse 7. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. You were just like them. You lived in it. We saw that in Ephesians chapter 2. We formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of flesh and mind. We're by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, Ephesians 2, 4, by his great love which he loved us, even when we're dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. We used to be that way, and we were identified by our sin. You know what? When these guys and all their transgender stuff, they want to identify themselves by their sin. That's the way it is. God identifies people by their sin. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Or do you not know the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators. That's adulterers, by the way, that's immoral, right? Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. Effeminate means soft. It's men who are soft, right? We see that these days, right? It's what we're seeing, right? Effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. And look at this. And such some of you were. Yes, you may be whatever that is. You may be a homosexual, transgender, whatever it is. You come to Jesus Christ and you are saved. And you are saved. And you're washed. And you're cleansed. And God's wrath has been removed from you because it was poured out on Jesus on the cross for your sins. In them we once also walked in living. So my forgiveness ought to drive me not to sin. How to think about this. I used to live that way and Jesus has forgiven me. I used to be like them on their way to hell. I need to think that way. I need to instruct my mind with the truth of God and then trust the God of the truth and say no. Kill it off. Now we're going to see it doesn't have just to do with sexual sin. Later we're going to see it has to do with anger. It has to do with unforgiveness. It has to do with attitudes towards people. We're going to see that too. You think, oh, I don't do those things. Well, we're getting to with the stuff we do, right? Our former lifestyle apart from Christ is not consistent with our new life in Christ. Let that help you see things rightly. The Lord's faithful. Go to him. Go to him. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Having been firmly rooted, now being built up and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you've been made complete. And he has taken it out of way, speaking of our sin, having nailed it to the cross. Set your mind on the things above and say no to these things below. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you. Thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, as we wrap up today's broadcast, for that person who's struggling, what would you tell them? Well, Dave, first of all, I'd say we need to take sin more seriously. You see, it's because of sin that God's wrath will come upon those who do not know Christ. 
And sadly, there are some who are listening today who are living in the context of God's wrath. But today is the day of salvation. Turn to Jesus Christ. Believe in him that he died for your sins and arose from the dead. Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. But what about believers? What about those who are stuck in sin, sexual sin? Well, first of all, you need to confess. You need to see sin from God's perspective. And then secondly, you need to recognize who you are in Christ now. In Christ, you can put to death the deeds of the flesh. You can kill them off. You can say no to them and offer yourself to God instead. A totally sufficient Christ who will deliver you from sexual sin if you're willing to trust him. Brothers and sisters, confess your sin and turn to Jesus. Kill off these things that are so contrary to our new nature in Christ and trust our Lord Jesus. As we close today's broadcast, here's an important message from our teacher, Greg Lundstedt. Hi, this is Greg Lundstedt, and it is my great privilege to study and teach the Word of God and to share it with you each day on this radio station. And as you listen, I want to ask you this question. Has equipping the saints been a blessing to you? If so, would you prayerfully consider coming alongside us financially? You see, your financial partnership with us is so appreciated. So on behalf of the team here at Equipping the Saints, we want to praise our Lord and thank you for your prayers and financial support. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, to partner with us, call us toll-free, 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. Or if you prefer to send a gift online, our web address is etsradio.org. Well, we hope you make plans to join us again right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. Yeah.